Did anybody hear that like weird ring? Yeah. So <laughs> weird. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. This is our, our theme song. So I I just kind of wanted to uh, before we start, and I didn't tell Henry I was going to do this because I just decided right now too. But by coming into this class, Henry and I were just curious what you all your expectations were, like what you were hoping to learn. And those may or may not get met because we're not going to change our lesson. But um, just to just to kind of figure out what do you guys when you hear a topic like Philip and the spirit and the role of the spirit in evangelism, just kind of like what are you guys hoping to get out of this class? Just and just start talking. I'm not going to pick on you guys. This isn't Bible talk for five years. Yeah, I'm just I'm thinking of I was excited to learn more about the role God can tap into kind of the power of the Holy Spirit. And yeah. I don't think it's as discussed as I would like to learn about it. So yeah, that makes sense. Let's do it ourselves. Yeah, like for me, this since this morning, just kind of like okay, like I really would love to start to understand more how like the Holy Spirit can use me and how it's not just a tool for my use to glorify God, but that it's I'm a tool, you know, to be used by it, to be compelled by it, uh, to carry out His work. No, and that's a lot unfair because you know Zechariah and I had a conversation about our lesson. So. <laughs> yeah, and yeah, maybe like one or two more. Um, I know that we like consistently read our Bibles or try to read our Bibles every day and know knowledge, just everything that we need to know. But how do we like? How do we attack? It? How do we like approach someone that, that either doesn't know or knows somewhat? Like, just different ways of approach, different tactics. Yeah. Gotcha. Well, I hope that in all these things we can try to answer y'all's questions. And so let's open up our Bibles. And uh, we have three points for you guys today. And just to let you know, all our three points come from a Kanye West song. All right? And we just changed the lyrics around. And so if you can guess what Kanye West song we made our points from, we will give you a prize, TBD, um, it's a surprise prize, and so, because we're pretty confident none of you guys will be able to get, to get it, so anyway, the, fir- the, sp- the first point is the spirit walks, and so here we go to Acts chapter 6, and uh, we're going to be here in verse 1, it says, in those days when the number of disciples was increasing the Hellenistic Jews among them, complained against the Hebraic Jews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. So the twelve gathered all the disciples together and said, it would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word of God in order to wait on tables. Brothers and sisters, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the Spirit and wisdom. We will turn this responsibility over to them and will give our attention to prayer and the ministry of the word. The proposal pleased the whole group. They chose Stephen, a man full of faith in the Holy Spirit. Also Philip, Procurus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenas, Nicholas from Antioch, a convert to Judaism. They presented these men to the apostles who prayed and laid their hands on them. And so the word of God spread. The number of disciples in Jerusalem Increased rapidly, and a large number of priests became obedient 
to the faith. And then let's flip our Bibles over to Acts chapter 8. And so what happened in Acts chapter 6 and 7 is that Stephen, a man full of faith, full of the Spirit, he's preaching the Word. And the Jews from the synagogue of the freedmen complain. They start stirring up the crowd, spreading false witness against Stephen. And so Stephen just, Acts chapter 7 is Stephen's like sermon. And just read it when you have the free time because it's amazing. And Stephen just basically goes through kind of the story from Abraham to Moses in the Exodus and entering into the promised land. And he's like, you guys are just like your forefathers who crucified or like killed the prophets and you approved of what they were doing by killing Jesus. And then he gets stoned to death. While he's getting stoned to death, he looks up and sees Jesus sitting at the right hand of God in heaven. And he's like, oh, I see Jesus. And then they're stoning him and he falls to his knees. And exactly like Jesus prayed, he said, Father, forgive them because they do not know what they're doing. And then he dies. The young men, they lay their cloaks at the feet of a man named Saul. And Saul, who later becomes Paul, approves of this killing. And so we're going to pick it up here in verse 1. And Saul approved of their killing him. And on that day, a great persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem. And all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. Godly men buried Stephen and mourned deeply for him. But Saul began to destroy the church. Going from house to house, he dragged off both men and women and put them in prison. Those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. Philip went down to a city in Samaria and proclaimed the Messiah there. And when the crowds heard Philip and saw the signs he performed, they all paid close attention to what he said. For with shrieks and pure spirits came out of many, and many who were paralyzed or lame were healed. So there was great joy in that city. And so we, I think the thing we just wanted to start off talking about, and this is what Zechariah said, is that in all of this, you see the Holy Spirit working, right? So they appoint seven men who are full of the Spirit. And then Stephen, he, like, because of that, so many people, even priests, are becoming disciples of Jesus. And this causes the persecution to get ramped up to an intense degree, to the point that the church has to scatter out and that they go into places even outside of Jerusalem and Judea. And so they start preaching to non-Jews, the Samaritans. And so that's like the major point of Acts chapter 8 is that now Samaritans can become disciples of Jesus as well. And uh, I think we'll talk about this a little bit, but that's confirmed by the apostles laying hands on them and they receive some gifts of the Holy Spirit. And so without this persecution, like the church would have just stayed much in Jerusalem and they would have lost their mandate from Acts chapter 1, which was to... Preach the word first to Judea, or Jerusalem, Judea, to the Samaritans, and then to the ends of the earth, right? And so, what's cool to me is that the Holy Spirit, He takes this situation and He uses it to advance the gospel. And so, disciples go out and then they just start preaching the word wherever they go. And so, that is what we wanted to start off by saying is that, you know, kind of the wording of this class, I think, can be a little bit. Uh, we, we were talking about this in our biography. Instead of like how to use the Spirit in evangelism, we were going to call it how do the Spirit uses us in evangelism. 
Because really, we're, we're the tools of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit isn't a tool for us. He is a helper, but he's the one who is guiding, who is leading. And we'll see that as we read even more in Acts chapter 8 with the eunuch and all that. But the Holy Spirit is always working, always preparing people to know God. And uh, I, I think that's amazing, though, because what that does for me is it takes the pressure off of me. And that I just got to be led by the Spirit. I got to be used by the Spirit. And I need to have an accurate view of myself. Not too low that I'm absolutely nothing. Because God has decided to use me to advance his kingdom. But not too high where it's all relying on me either. And where if I make a mistake, it's all over. I mean, the Spirit used something like persecution of the church to advance the gospel. To a whole new region of people. And to really... um, Show the church in Jerusalem that something new was happening. I don't know if you wanted to add anything onto that, Henry, before we... Uh, you can go on. Yeah, okay, cool. Um, and so, yeah, the Holy Spirit is always working. Um, the thing we wanted to start off is that... The second thing, I guess, is that these guys, they were already full of the Spirit and full of wisdom, right? That they were chosen because of that. And... Uh, Henry and I were joking around because this, this is like a hard class to do when you talk about the Holy Spirit because there's so much like, what does that even mean before we even get to the evangelism? So we were like, okay, can we just do two classes? Can we have like a part one and part two just so we can explain the Holy Spirit and then talk about evangelism? But we're going to do it in like five minutes right here. And so I, write these scriptures down to go read for yourself. But John 6, I think like 66 or something like that. It talk, Jesus says, my words are spirit and truth. Ephesians five seventeen it says, not to be filled with much wine, but instead to be filled with the spirit. And uh, Ephesians six seventeen says, the sword of the spirit is the word of God. And then Galatians five sixteen through 26, it's walk in step with the spirit. Don't gratify the desires of the flesh. And so we really wanted to take some time to explain, okay, what does it really mean to be full of the spirit? And... To be full of the Spirit, like Ephesians 5, 17 talks about, it's this idea of what are you controlled by? Okay, are you controlled in that instance, like being filled with much wine? Are you controlled by your impurity, by your selfishness, by your lack of discipline and laziness, by your pride, by your insecurity, by your selfish ambition, by a boy, by a girl? What are you controlled by? Because what we are supposed to be controlled by is the Holy Spirit. And desiring the things of God. And the Holy Spirit, it's there to convict us. It's there to influence us. It's there to lead us in righteousness. And we really believe that begins with the Word of God. Because the Word of God is the sword of the Spirit. And I think these guys, um, I mean, it's very obvious if you read Acts chapter 7. These dudes knew their Bible, right? To just be able in a sermon to repeat the uh, story of the patriarchs. And it's not like, and then Abraham, like, believed God. It's like, no, Abraham went to, like, uh, I can't even remember the towns that he went to, like the Negev, all these places. Abraham went here and here and here, and he did this, this, and this. I'm like, I, what? Like, dude, this guy just knew it, right? I don't think he had notes in front of him. I think he was just ripping it. And um, it was funny because, like, they get appointed for what? To wait on widows, right? Like, that is their main job. And I don't even know how long they did that because the next chapter they're getting, or like the next few verses, they're getting persecuted. 
But um, that, that's where they started out. And we, we wanted to say that like, if you want to be used by the Spirit, it takes developing character. And evangelism, it starts in that alone time with you and God when you're working out your character, right? Because you've got to watch your life and your doctrine. It's not just those moments where you're preaching to somebody, where you're out on the street sharing your faith, inviting somebody to Bible talk. It begins way back when you're developing that personal character with God. And whether it's something humble, like waiting on widows, or whether it's seeing Jesus up in the sky as you're getting stoned to death, preaching the word, right? Um, it's all about that character of godliness. Uh, and so, I don't know if you want to start. Yeah, I'll bit. Um, So yeah, guys, just want to emphasize, like, evangelism is it starts way before you're actually out and you're talking with people. I think a lot of times we can, we can kind of reduce evangelism to like going and inviting people to Bible talk or going and uh, I don't know, just asking random people on the street a question. But evangelism is meant to be so much more than that. And just this idea of being filled with the Spirit as we, as we do it. Um, it's saying like as we go, as we're talking to people, Honestly, like, uh, when we're filled by the Spirit, we're just compelled to preach the truth. Um, that scripture in, um, in Ephesians 6, uh, Graham mentioned, talks about the, the, the Word of God being the sword of the Spirit. I think just as we, as we read our own Bibles, as we study, as we try to, try to grow and mature in our character, we're really going to you know, impact people when we really let the sword of the spirit, the word of God, um, change their hearts. Um, but when I get back on, back on this character stuff, so um, we see here at the end of Acts, Philip starts doing all these signs and miracles. Like a lot of times it's easy to think, man, evangelism would be so easy if I could just like heal this dude right now. Like, you're good. There's a God. No questions asked. Uh, man, faith is easy. Uh, but God doesn't choose to do that anymore. We, we, you know, we just don't see that happen today. I don't know that necessarily God is incapable of using us in that way. Um, but that's just, that's not how God chooses to work anymore. I think the way he does choose to work is through the fruit of the Spirit. Which is love, you know, your character, patience, kindness. Everything the end of Galatians is talking about. The fruit of the Spirit is what really, con- is, what, is part of what convicts people and what, what shows them, you know, what the real truth is. Um, and so I do want to point out, like, Philip is a pretty incredible guy. Like Graham was talking about it, he was called to just, to wait on tables and kind of do the work that the apostles didn't want to do or didn't have time to do. Probably didn't have time to do. Um, Let's go with that. Yeah, we'll go with that. <laughs> I think they're pretty spiritual. But, um... But Philip recognizes that it is everybody's role to share the gospel. This is not something that you guys have to be commissioned to do. It's not something that any church leader should really have to ask you to do. But this is what overflows from being filled with the Spirit. From having our own deep personal times with God. From having a gift that we actually want to share. Right? We're going to get into that in our, in our next point. Um... I didn't write the point name down. <laughs> the way I need the Spirit. The way 
I need the spirit. That's hit number two for the prize. Point number two. <laughs> um, but we're gonna we're gonna go ahead and pick back up with our story here, um, and get into a little bit about Simon the sorcerer. So I can read starting in verse nine. It says now for some time, or Acts Acts eight verse nine. It says now for some time a man named Simon had practiced sorcery in the city and amazed all the people of Samaria. He boasted that he was someone great, and all the people, both high and low, gave him their attention and exclaimed. This man is rightly called the power of God, the great power of God. They followed him because he had amazed them for a long time with his sorcery. But when they believed Philip, as he proclaimed the good news of the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. Simon himself believed and was baptized, and he followed Philip everywhere, astonished by the great signs and miracles he saw. And kind of after that... Um, Graham mentioned it before, but this going into Samaria was a big deal. Like, the gospel hadn't gotten out of Jerusalem yet. Uh, but Jesus had promised that the, the gospel was going to go, you know, start in Jerusalem, go to Samaria, go to the ends of the earth. Or go to Judea and Samaria, then the ends of the earth. This is kind of that next step in that plan. Uh, but it's crazy to think, like, that happened because of persecution. When you think the church would have been at its weakest, that's what was used to really spread this gospel. It got them out. It got them just talking with everybody. Um, it says they, they, were, they, were, they shared their faith. They evangelized like as they were scattered. Uh, back in verse 4, it says, Those who were scattered preached the word everywhere they went. So that's where we see they're coming. They're going into Samaria, just full of the Spirit, preaching the word everywhere they go. It says on their hearts, just who they are. But the interesting thing with Simon is that he, he had been amazing the people. He had, he had, like, caught their attention. They thought he was the great power of God. They thought his signs and his, like, magic and honestly kind of cheap tricks were, uh, were all, that, all that God was. And so I think this really does tie back into our world today. Um, today, there's a lot of people that want to captivate uh, the world around us. Um, there's a lot of things that try to catch our attention. Like, I love sports. Sports could easily capture my attention. Um, but then you get into more like, like sex and alcohol and you know all the things the world offers. The world says, hey, come look at this. This is awesome. This is fun. Uh, come try this. But even in the religious world, right? Mm-hmm. A lot of times in the religious world today, we see that people... People want to propose like a kind of a counterfeit Jesus mm-hmm. for the truth. Yeah. People want to water down the gospel and say that just show up to church, just be a good person, and you're fine. That's not what Jesus preaches at all. It's not what he preaches at all. And so Philip comes in. He's able to show these people. He just preaches to them. He just shares about the Messiah with them. But he's full of the Spirit and he's backing up with his life. And it says that they, they go from believing in Simon, from following Simon, they start believing in what Philip was saying. This real Jesus. The truth that he's, he's trying to proclaim to them. No. So I think for us, like mentioned earlier, Galatians 6, just the, um, how the, the word of God is the sword of the spirit. We got to go out and boldly proclaim the word of God. Yeah. Boldly proclaiming the word of God is what is really going to convince people to follow Jesus. We don't need to go and 
I don't know, we, we're like coming up with more evangelistic strategies, you know, more creative things to do to invite people to stuff. That's awesome, but that's not going to change people's lives. That's just going to make a social club that's fun for everybody, <laughs> or fun to come to sometimes. We're trying to help people make convictions, build convictions, make Jesus Lord of their life. There's no way to do it other than preaching the word. Um, I think, uh, I on to share. I think this has really happened in my life. Um, so, coming to college, um, I, was, I was deceived by the world. I was ready to like jump full on into what the world had to offer. I had been kind of sheltered in high school. I didn't really get out of the house too much. I uh, just played sports and kind of came home right after that. Um, didn't really have too many friends that I'd see outside of school, but I was like, college, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna live it up, I'm gonna like, I'm gonna join a frat, I'm gonna party it up, I'm gonna try and like do whatever I wanted with girls, try and still make good grades, of course. Of course I'd do that. Um, but I kind of have whatever the world, whatever the world was offering. And it wasn't until somebody like, they just, like we were just sitting down talking about the Bible and I, you know, I was talking about this. They invited me to like a, like a Friday night church service. Uh, and like the first, it was the first Friday of school. I, I had nothing on my mind except like, you know, wet Friday, going to, going to a party for the first time, uh, experiencing college. Um, but it wasn't until we sat down and a scripture was opened that really convicted me about that. We looked at Galatians 5. <laughs> we'll stop all these sins drunkenness, wildfires among them. Those of you who inherit the kingdom of God, or who live like this, will not inherit the kingdom of God. I was like, uh, okay. I guess I'm not going to that party. But I just needed the word of God to be strong in my life. I bought into so many lies and everything around me. I just needed truth to really, to really guide my life. Not the falseness that this world preaches. Yeah. So as we evangelize, guys, we're trying to bring truth to people. As we're full of the Spirit, it's going to compel us to, to show that fruit to people, um, express the truth of the God, use the, use the Word of God as the sword of the Spirit, yeah. and um, just really bring, bring truth to this really lost world. Uh, you want to you pick up there again? Yeah, for sure. And I, I love what Henry was saying in there. Like, you know, Philip had gotten like a specific role, a specific job assigned to him by the church. Can I move your Bible? Yeah. And that was to wait on widows. And, I, and he did that, right? But it's everybody's job to share about Jesus, right? Like we see that in the beginning of Acts chapter 8. And I think my question for you guys is, why don't you let the Spirit use you? And I, I think the real answer to that question is because we're afraid. And when we... Let fear control us. It shows that we have a lack of faith. And these guys, man, they had every reason to be scared. I mean, they were literally being killed, right? They weren't, they weren't getting their feelings hurt. They were getting their bodies hurt. They were getting kicked out of their homeland. They were being scattered abroad. And yet, all they did when that happened was they went out and preached the word more boldly. And I really think the Spirit will use you when you decide to be faithful and righteous. Yeah. Talking about like in Galatians where it says, hey, keep in step with the Spirit. 
I think just simply what that means is we got to read our Bible and then we just got to do it. And we got to actually live it out. And I wanted to read a little further in here. In verse 18, it says, When Simon saw that the Spirit was given at the laying on of the apostles' hands, he offered them money and said, Give me also this ability, so that everyone on whom I lay my hands may receive the Holy Spirit. Peter answered, May your money perish with you. Because you thought you could buy the gift of God with money. You have no part or share in this ministry because your heart is not right before God. Repent of this wickedness and pray to the Lord in the hope that he may forgive you for having such a thought in your heart. For I see that you are full of bitterness and captive to sin. And then Simon answered, pray to the Lord for me so that nothing you have said may happen to me. Can you imagine if you walked into a first D time with a young Christian, and this was the D time you had with them, just right there to the face. Um, and I think, just like Henry's story, that was Henry's very first time sitting down with Jordan, was when Jordan was like, okay, dude, let's talk about like the acts of the flesh, right? And I think sometimes we're afraid, and so we do not say the hard things to people. And yet, Simon didn't leave after Peter just wrecked him right there. He was asking for Peter to pray for him. And I think why we're talking about the fruit of the Spirit, I really do think that is like the most powerful sign we have is to be like Jesus genuinely in this world because that fruit of the Spirit is basically who Jesus was if you go and read it. And there's so much fakeness out there. There's so much softness that it's actually surprising. People are craving genuine, bold, honest conversations. I want to tell you guys a story uh, about a time where I felt like the Holy Spirit really used me. And this was last semester. And this guy named Ethan, um, he ended up getting baptized, which was really cool. But we had been kind of like doing some group Bible studies with his friends. And Ethan kind of had been a little bit flaky on me. And so I had invited him to the retreat. And he's like, dude, I don't know if I can go. I have class. And I was like, bro, email your teacher, like ask if you can do this concert another time because you had to go to a concert and then come. So he does everything I say. And then he decides to go hang out and go rafting with his other friends instead. And so I was like, all right, man, I'll see you later. So we, hang, we, we get some time to hang out. And I was like, dude, honestly, like I, could, I don't care anymore. I'm just going to have a really honest, straightforward conversation with this kid and let the chips fall where they might. And so I kind of just sat him down and I was like, hey, man, let me just show like you don't have integrity. And so we read in Matthew uh, five or six where it says simply let your yes be yes and your no be no. Anything else is evil. And he was like, oh, dang, dude. And then I was like, yeah. And let me just be honest, man. As your friend, you hurt my feelings because you lied to my face. And so I, and I was only talking about the retreat and I kid you not, he just like unraveled in front of me. He was like, I do this, this, and this. And he's like, this isn't even the first time I've done that to you. And he, and I was just kind of like, whoa, what is happening? Like, and then the last thing he said to me, and I'll never forget this. He was like, he's like, dude, I'm so grateful you pointed this out. This is the first time anybody has ever had a conversation with me like this. And I think it's people genuinely crave realness, Right. And that's not always going to work. People didn't always walk away from Jesus saying, wow, thank you, Jesus, for challenging my life. 
Some people did walk away sad, and that is just the reality where we have to trust God and trust the Holy Spirit. But I think we can't coddle people, and I don't think we can pull our punches. I think we just have to be honest. And so we have that conversation, and then, like, I don't even remember if I prayed, but our, that was on Monday. Tuesday nights, we usually get together and uh, with me and him and all of his friends and do a Bible study. And I was just like hoping against hope that everybody else would cancel and it would just be him and I. And so literally everyone does cancel. So it's just me and Ethan in his trailer. And for two hours, we talk about what it really means to be a disciple of Jesus and what it really means to follow Jesus with your whole life. And I mean, I could literally feel it in the air. Like I'm like, the Holy Spirit is working. I was like, I'm just along for the ride. And I, was, I don't even know if I was like, God, please don't let anybody be there. I was just like, I hope nobody's there. And I'm like, I think it's going to happen. And then it did. And then it did. And, I, and then I just went in. I was like two hours of just wrecking him. And so, but it was because I could see the Holy Spirit was working in his life. Like the way he responded on Monday gave me confidence and emboldened me for Tuesday and then we started doing Bible studies together. And like a month later, he got baptized. And I think that's amazing. I think that is how the Holy Spirit really works. And I just don't think we have to be afraid of um, being honest with people, really telling them what's up, and, uh, and, and showing them the truth. Because nobody else is. Not even other people at church. Very rarely do people have those kinds of conversations that we have all the time with one another. And I think we can a little bit take that stuff for granted. And so we're going to go into our third point here. And uh, I guess I'll, I'll read the scripture. We didn't. Our third point is a little bit like, we'll see what happens. Um, what, what, was our, what was our point titled? The Spirit Don't Fail Me Now or something yeah, like that? Um, hopefully you guys are getting what song, what song we're using here. So let's, let's go over here. Now we're going to read about the eunuch. Um, just an absolute baller. And so, but obviously our emphasis here is on the Holy Spirit. So in verse 26, it says, Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Go south to the road, the desert road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out, and on his way he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury of the Candake, which means queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship, And on his way home, he was sitting in his chariot reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. The spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. Then Philip ran up to that chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you are reading, Philip asked? And how can I, unless someone explains it to me? So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. And he's reading in Isaiah 53. And from that passage on, Philip teaches him the good news about Jesus. And then... um, Here we go. In verse 39, it says, When they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away, and the eunuch did not see him again, but went on his way rejoicing. Philip, however, appeared at Azotus and traveled about preaching the gospel in all the towns until he reached Caesarea. Um, Did you want to talk about that uh, we don't know what's going to happen thing? Okay. (laughs) So you think about it. Philip, uh, Philip's here, and angel comes to him, uh, he says, go to the desert. And he's just been in Samaria. People are becoming Christians. Um, it's, it's producing fruit. But for some reason, God called him to go to this desert. And uh, it's easy to think, like, 
why the heck would that be the better outcome? Um, but I think just one, one point on being like filled with the Spirit, led by the Spirit with evangelism, we don't always know the next step after God tells us to go. And a lot of times we don't need to. All the time we don't need to. Because we know that God, you know, God is, is working um, through us. Right. And so Philip, he just, he just goes to the desert, he starts walking, um, the chariot pops up. God never even says like, hey, Philip, I took you here because you're going to go talk to this eunuch. Uh, the chariot just pops up, Philip, Philip walks over and starts sharing the gospel with him. Mm-hmm. I think when we're filled with the Spirit and we're, and we're sharing the gospel, we just take every opportunity to do it. We, we're walking around. People aren't just like people sitting, eating lunch. People are opportunities to go and share the gospel with them and change their eternity. Like every person we talk to has the opportunity to make a decision that can change the course of their entire life. I think with evangelism, the most convicting thing to me is why would we not go and tell people if that's the case? How can we hold on to this gift that God has given us instead of being led by the Spirit and going and just sharing our, our convictions, the amazing things that Jesus has done in our lives with people? Mm-hmm. Why would we hold on to this? Graham mentioned it's our own fear. Um, I think a lot of times it's selfishness. We just don't want to get out of our comfort zone. Uh, we're afraid it's going to be awkward. <laughs> I feel that a lot. I go to Georgia Tech. Definitely not like a, I'm not a smooth person by any stretch of the imagination. Kyle knows what's up. <laughs> but um, I, I just think when the Holy Spirit's using us, we get out of the way. Mm-hmm. You know, we mentioned at the beginning of this class that it's, it's the Holy Spirit using us, not us like whipping out the Holy Spirit tool and, and impacting people with it. Um, when the Holy Spirit's using us, he gets like our awkwardness or our weirdness out of the way. And it's just, he's just working on people's hearts, you know, molding them, shaping them, preparing them to receive this message. And then we just come in and, and deliver it to them. Tell them the truth. Show our lives. Share with people that way. Uh, but the, you know, the, the pressure's not really on us. Right. We just got to go. We just got to have willing hearts. Um, we just got to be available for the Spirit to use. So if there's one thing, guys, as you're, as you're like walking away from this class, is just be available to be used by the Spirit. Just as you're, as you're walking around your campuses, it's like people aren't, they're not just like the intimidating dude that's like big and swole walking to class that is scary to talk to, or the random person in class next to you who's uh, got everything together. These are people that need the gospel whose lives will be changed when they hear this message that Jesus offers us, when we really preach what is in this Bible, when we preach the Word of God, and our lives back it up, the fruit of the Spirit backs it up, then people will be compelled to follow Him. Um, Do you want to keep going? Yeah, I got it. Um, So I'll I'll tell you a story that really shows it's not about the Spirit. So Henry and I, we went to Italy a couple years ago in 2015. And talk about an absolute grind, okay? Like thir- 33 degrees Celsius every day. That's like 96 here. No air conditioning. No air conditioning. I mean, by the time I took the morning train 
to get to the university where we're going to share our faith, I already had backpacks wet, right? Just to let you know what was up, okay? And, um, and then I think it rained the very first Monday we were there, and then it never rained again. And so I watched the grass at this university die over a month. Like it started off green, and it was brown and dry by the time we were leaving. And so this was like maybe week three, and we were, I mean, and me especially, was just at the pit discouraged. And uh, there was this girl who was there for opera who was like uh, from America coming, and she like shared her, her faith with us for like a day. She was like, are you ready? Like, we're about to go out here and share our faith. Like, we were sharing together. And I was like, no, I don't think anything's going to happen. I have zero faith. And I literally, I literally, I literally walk outside these, like, into the, like, where all the smokers hang out. First dude I d- talked to, um, we have an hour-long conversation about Jesus. And we just talk. And I was like, what is happening? And so I was like, dude, would you want to get together and do a Bible study? And he was like, yeah, I think I really need that. And so then we leave, and, uh, and I tell everybody, and, and, like, just the fact that anybody wanted to study the Bible was, like, the best news we'd ever heard in our life. So we were like, that's awesome, man. Like, did you get his number and text him? And I was like, hmm, I did not, actually. And they were like, you're the stupidest idiot in the entire world. And I, I was, like, a little bit, like, discouraged by those comments. And so I was just like, I was like, God, it's all up to you. And so I just show up to our uh, like appointed meeting spot, and I just look around, and there he is off in the distance. And so I'm like, guys, there he is. And so I wave him over. And our Bible study actually didn't go that great. Like, he wasn't as open as I thought he was from our hour-long conversation. And so what we did at the end, I was like, bro, let me give you a challenge. I said, and so Nick Cruz was with me. Nick was like, you, I'm going to challenge you to read the entire book of John before we get together again. And then I said, if you, don't have re- if you have not read the entire book of John, let it be because you were asking so many questions and taking so many notes that you just couldn't finish. And so the next time we got together, he showed up and he just had his notebook out. Just questions that he was asking about God and about the Holy Spirit. And it was just amazing how God had changed his heart in like seven days from when we first got together and then the next time we got together. And I had nothing to do with that because I was in the pits of faith at that moment. And the cool thing was that by the time we got back, two weeks later, we show up to church at Ink, Georgia, and we're FaceTiming watching this guy get baptized in a river in Italy. And, he, and like, that was the only dude to get, become a Christian on that entire trip. And uh, it had zero to do with me and my faith. And it had everything to do with the Holy Spirit. And the word of God. And it was just so easy to see how that had changed him. And I, I wanted to ask you guys. What is your main way of evangelism? Like when you go out and you're thinking. I'm going to go share my faith today. What is like the primary thing that you do? This is actual response. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yeah, meaningful conversation. I feel like I'm just really short to the point. I'm like, we have TNL, come on out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Start off with common ground. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I remember, um, I'll tell one more story. I just like, doing this lesson reminded me how much the Spirit's worked in my life, even though I don't feel like that at all. And so I've really enjoyed this. But I, I came back, so I'm from North River and now I'm in Auburn. For those of you who don't know me. And my name's Graham, by the way. 
Um, and so, <laughs> so anyway, uh, this is Henry. Um, so he's, he's at Georgia Tech. But anyway, so I, I um, am in Auburn, Alabama. And so I go home every once in a while to Kennesaw. And we were having this Devo. And I remember Her- this guy named Harrison, he got up. And he was just like, dude, it's been a hard semester. I've been like asking everybody if they want to have a relationship with God. And it just feels like nobody has. And the thing I took away from that lesson was like, oh, I forgot you could ask people that question. Because I had just been saying, hey, do you want to come to Bible talk? Hey, do you want to come to Bible talk? Hey, do you want to come to Bible talk? And so I was like, oh, I need to do that again. And if I'm honest, the reason I had been only asking people to come to Bible talk was because I was so focused on like results and like getting people to come out and making myself look good that I kind of had lost the heart of faith and the heart to help people. And so me and, me and this guy, Devante, were back out on Auburn's campus. And like, it's the last guy we're about to share with. And I go, yo, Devante, watch this. And I walk up to this dude and I'm just like, hey, hey man, do you keep a faith in anything? Just like super awkward. And he's like, no, I don't. And then I said, okay, why not? And he was like, well, you know, like I just, I grew up in church. Like I just don't believe. And I was like, well, how important to you is it to you to figure that out? And he was like, not that important. So at this point, I'm thinking, I'm like, this dude doesn't care at all. Like, well, this is about to be a lame conversation. So this is my last ditch effort. I was like, bro, if I were you and this was real, like this would be the most important thing I would want to figure out in my life is if God is there and if, this is, if the Bible is true. I'm like, do you think that's important? He was like, yeah, I do. He's like, and I do want to figure it out. And I was like, would you want to get together and do a Bible study? And he was like, yes, I would. And I was like, okay. And so we started getting together. This was like a couple weeks ago. We, so we started getting together. And last, yeah, yeah, yeah. So last Tuesday, not this Tuesday, it just happened, but the one before, I like finally challenged him to read his Bible. And I was like, hey, why don't you read the Sermon on the Mount, see what it really looks like to live in the upside down kingdom of God. And then we get together this last Tuesday. He's like, dude, that was crazy. Oh, also, I read the entire book of Matthew and this last week. And I was like, what? I was like, I can't get the religious people on this campus to read their Bible for a day. Like, what is going on? And so we just had this, like, super long conversation. And uh, we're just talking about the crazy things. He was like, actually, like, my ex-girlfriend cheated on me. And Jesus' teachings on forgiveness have helped me to forgive her and to get over that. And, like, to tell her, like, we had a reconciling conversation. And I was just like, what is happening? I was like, this is amazing. And so I think we sometimes are a little bit like me, too reliant on a formula that's gotten us results in the past. And we're less reliant on the spirit. And so, and, and I think it's because it's almost easy. It's almost easy to say, you know what, this always works for me. This is what I'm comfortable with. Hey, do you want to come to Bible Talk? Hey, do you want to come to Devo? Hey, do you want to come to this? Or like, hey, what's your name? Let's like, let's throw the Frisbee around. Whatever it might be. And we ignore the Spirit's prompting to do something different because it's a little bit scary and it gets us out of our comfort zone. And so for some of you guys, that might mean going into the cafeteria at your school and just screaming out like a little lesson or something like that, like a five minute little lesson. For others of you guys, that might just be like having a really deep personal conversation with somebody, asking them some questions. For others of you guys, that might be setting like a numerical goal, like, hey, I'm going to go share my faith this much, this much, this much, because I feel like that's what the Spirit is telling me to do. And I'm absolutely terrified out of my mind to go and do that. 
And I think the reason why we get like that is because of our fear. But I think we also can get a little bit like results focused as well. Or at least I know that's what it is in my heart where I'm like, man, I really just want people to come out. Like I'm more concerned with how I look and I want to be doing well, etc., etc. And then I'm, I'm more focused on that than I am on the Holy Spirit and what he's guiding and what he's leading me to do. And I've loved like studying this out because it's helped me realize, wow, this isn't about me. I'm a tool of the spirit. The spirit isn't a tool for me. And so I need to be more focused on building up God's kingdom and doing God's will rather than doing my own will or even doing spiritual things for myself. And so we just kind of our last little point in here is like mystical stuff, because we do understand that like, wow, what is it with the Holy Spirit? Like, how does that work? And I think our answer is we have no idea. Okay, besides reading your Bible and doing it, I can't give you a formula for how the spirit works because there isn't one. If you go and read Acts, sometimes the spirit of Jesus prevents them from going somewhere. Sometimes he's like, set aside Paul and Barnabas. You read sometimes in Acts where they are like having this huge debate about circumcision and whether you have to become a Jew before you become a Christian. And they're like, hey, it seemed good to us and the Holy Spirit that you don't have to do that. And here's what you should do instead. And the way we figure that out is we had this giant Bible debate for a really long conference here in Jerusalem. And we all got to the same conclusion. And so we know that was the spirit of God working in us. And so it's like, what does that even mean? Right. And so I I think it is different for everyone. It's subjective. For me, it's like those instinctual moments of like, I really think I've got to go do this. Whether it's sharing my faith differently, like with Sam and we have that great conversation and he's read Matthew or whether that was with Ethan, where I was like, I need to rebuke this dude and it might cause him to leave. Other times, it's like, I have zero faith, and I go outside and have an hour-long conversation while this dude's smoking a cigarette, and like a month later, he's getting baptized, and I'm watching on FaceTime, you know? And so, it's, it's just different. The Spirit is different. He works differently, and I think that's why you need to go read those passages. I think that's why you need to go study this out. Um, I don't know if you had anything you wanted to add, because we could do a few minutes, like, Q&R yeah if you wanted to just like to wrap it up fully um sharing our faith it's the only the example we have in philip is he just went places and he preached the gospel right um and honestly we don't have to overcomplicate it right when we just go and we preach the gospel people will be impacted people are attracted to this because this is this is what people are really searching for not the fake stuff the world has um, but the gospel is, is what people are looking for. Um, but, yeah, I think that's about, that's about all we got, all I got time for. Um, I know uh, we got to get to the next class. Why don't we do three minutes of question and response because they get yeah. at 1050. Yeah, sounds good. Do you guys want to do that? Do you have any questions? Or, like, was our lesson just that amazing? You need to go meditate on it. Just skip the next class and pray. Because that would make me feel good about myself. <laughs> I just think it's really cool because I've heard some people recently describing the Holy Spirit 
um, from the sermons in Johannesburg Church as Jesus Unlimited. And I think like the biggest way that like I can limit the scriptures or limit God in what I'm evangelizing is just trying to say or do the right things and not really just giving people the word as yeah. quickly and directly as possible. And I'm just really inspired by that. Yeah. I, I think one thing I did was going to say too, I forgot, is that it's easier to rely on a formula and it's much scarier to rely on the spirit and just like go for it. And, and it always works better, but it doesn't always feel as good and you don't always see the results right away. And so I think that's where that trust and that faith comes in. And it's ultimately trust and faith in God. It's not trust and faith in myself. And I think that's the important thing. Even that you see in Acts, like, it's really the Acts of the Holy Spirit. Like, that's what the book is about, is the Holy Spirit moving. So, sorry, that was like another minor point. Uh, self-control is zero. Yeah, and sometimes that works. Like, sometimes all somebody needs is, like, hey, do you want to come to Bible Talk? That's where I met Zechariah. And other people need, like, an hour-long, heart-wrenching session. You know what I mean? And so it's just, you know, you never know. And that's exactly it, you know? So, cool. Maybe the last one right here. Um, I feel, uh, so, like, like you guys were saying, um, I need to stop focusing on the results. And um, I've come to the What I'm ultimately doing is trying to help people make it to heaven. So when I go out there and I see people and I'm, and I'm trying to get people to come to Bible talk, I started focusing on, like, this is a person that I'm trying to help make it to heaven. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I just, like, I really want to help people. Yeah. So I go out and I, and I share. So I can, I, I want to, I, I, I've not been able to talk to people very well um, in the past, but just going out and sharing. Come on, man. But, um, I hate groups. But I've also come to the realization that I can get overwhelmed. And it's better for me to focus on, if, if, even if I just help one person, instead of trying to help everybody. Right. Yeah. I mean, the Holy Spirit clearly wanted the eunuch to become a Christian. And that was one dude. What were you going to say? Um... Yeah, I didn't have anything. I just oh, okay. <laughs> awesome. oh, amen. Dude, that's that's cool to, like, see stuff out yeah. That's what we're trying to do. Amen. Okay, so any idea what Kanye West song 
we got our sermon points from. One, two, three, no response. What'd you say? No. No, she, she just said it. Jesus wants to tag yeah, yeah. She got it. Sweet. <laughs>